Welcome to Robot Kraken, where Chris of Deeply Dapper and Tom of Third Rail Design Lab talk about movies, shows, comics, entertainment news, and general miscellany. It is January 28th, and I'm Christopher McClanahan. What year is it? I don't know. 2016. 2016. Because <laughs> 10 years from now, people will be listening to these archives. They'll be in the National Library, right? Of course, listen naturally. To the archives and say, which one is that? Amazing. What year was that? Which year? This is right, vintage Chris and Tom. <laughs> vintage Chris and Tom. Before, before the fall. Right. January 28th. Episode three. Episode three of Robot Kraken. We've made it to your lucky number, sir. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> our our planned cycle has completed. <laughs> I think we should go at least to thirty three, and maybe I don't know. You can go back into your your cocoon for another thirty three years. That's right. <laughs> but we can also do. We could work in base three, so every every uh, yeah. We'll have we'll hit plenty of them. This is this that is too much math, sir. This is stupid. So anyway, episode three. How are you feeling? I've had a long week. How about you? <laughs> Oddly enough, I was about to say it's been a long week and it's barely started, and then I realized it is almost the end. Of the week. It That's is, yeah. Week. It's like Thursday, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's Let's almost get... Friday, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've had glasses issues in my cars. Batteries decided it needs to be replaced, and we're still training a puppy. And my wife is planning on taking the month of February off so she can write, and that means I've got tons of stuff to prep ahead of time so that I can actually do her part on the shop as well. So, your wife is not replaceable. No, she's really not, honestly. She does like all the shipping and the packing and she gives me my list of what's due when so that I know what I need to concentrate on. And she does all the menial stuff that I would need to hire someone very exacting to take over. And I am not that type of person. (laughs) What about you? Have you done anything exciting this week? uh, No, I mean, I'm just overwhelmed at work and at home and everything. But I'll tell you. Speaking of lovely wives, uh, so at dinner tonight, you know, the kids ate and then they're gone and then my wife came home later and so we sat down to eat. Okay. And we spent the entire time looking at photos of Ursa, your puppy. The oh, entire really? Time. We just basically <laughs> scrolled through your Instagram <laughs> so she could go, oh, oh, you know, over and over right. and over. So at this point, I think, you know, get, remember she's from a Swiss family. So Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So she wants me to train it to pull carts then. She said <laughs> carts full of liquor. She said, tell Chris to get her a puppy and bring it over next time you come by. <laughs> it's been documented now in this podcast that she can't claim and she never said that. So she uh, wants me to pick you guys out a dog. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what she said. It was in, in between a couple. Uh, so... <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, so, no, no, no. It was a good salad. It wasn't a great salad. So, anyway, <laughs> it's been a week, but we're going to end it on a high note. Yes. With this wonderful With record. this wonderful podcast. <laughs> I told my, my kids that we were going to do this again tonight, and, and uh, they're like, you know, they want to say hi to you and stuff. And then and then uh, Zoe asked what a podcast was, and I told her, I said, it was. it's like I'm, we're recording a radio show, but it's for people to listen to on their phones. And yeah. my, my son with his... 
his typical, this weird octave spike he does with the questions. He goes, oh, a radio <laughs> on the phone, you know, and it's behind me. He's, he's, he's directly behind me. So all I'm doing is hearing that while I'm trying to talk to her. Do those kids, I, do, do kids that age know what a radio is? No. Well, sorry, no. I, I can honestly say I haven't listened to regular radio in years. That's true. Well, I listen to NPR sometimes, but um, that's because uh, you're all sophisticated and shit. Are you, are you accusing me of being a sophisticate? Maybe. Don't you know that everyone in you're far San, enough away San that Francisco. you can't hit me with your pocket watch? So <laughs> you think I can? <laughs> yeah. uh, everyone in the San Francisco Bay Area listens to NPR and nothing else. You know that. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's that's true. true. It's required. Um, There's traffic stops, and they check your radio channels, and <laughs> they're like, "Excuse me, sir." <laughs> well, and I'm such a nerd that uh, I had to download the NPR app on my phone because <laughs> I kept here. They there would be some segment. Well, either there'd be some segment and then right when I wanted to – I was following along and then something happened in traffic and then I missed what they were saying and uh, I couldn't go backwards. I've been trained by all the TiVo years, right? Like I right. Or go backwards and, 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 and re-listen to things that we're recording. Um, so I ended up getting the NPR app just for that purpose or to try to identify what music was playing in between segments. Um, that's enough about that. So they don't have a thing now where – like they do with like the news shows where if you don't listen to it live, you can still catch all of it, that kind you of thing. You could do it online. That's cool. I'm never – you know what I mean? I'm never listening to that when I'm in front of my computer. But I might have it on the phone in the car, right? Like a, right. Like a, just like our podcast. When I'm driving around, I just listen to our podcast over and over again. <laughs> Just listen to yourself on the sweat. I, honestly, by the time I'm done editing it, most of the time I'm like, done with this. I'm tired of my voice. I, be I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. Well, every time I, I, I listen to one of ours, uh, <clears throat> at first I'm outraged at how ridiculous I sound and how singy-songy you sound. Um, and after oh about five or ten minutes, I'm into the conversation, even though I'm not – I already had it. And I'm not there. <laughs> yeah, Tom, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah, go me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what do you what do you think about uh, starting off with our uh, sucking the monkey segment? Sucking the monkey is always a good place to start. I I like to think that both of us have started sucking the monkey previously, but I have I have been sucking the monkey. <laughs> what have you been sucking, sir? This is this for for uh, people who are just tuning into our. It's episode three. We have our entire exactly. viewership down already, sir. That's exactly right. <laughs> All seven listeners understand. Yes. Check our rations for the voyage, which essentially means our booze. Yes. Uh, so what am I drinking? Okay, I have three beverages here. I three. I have uh, – okay, so first, this is like one of those things. Where they, what are those? Like beer before liquor? No. Liquor before beer, never fear. Beer yeah. before liquor, never sicker, I think is how it goes. Well, here's the problem. I have a <laughs> compound of three drinks. <laughs> I have half of a Ballast Point Brewing Company grapefruit sculpin. So this is a – it's a pale ale, your oh, favorite. Okay. Um, but it's been um, given some natural grapefruit flavors. It sounded amazing in the store. It was incredibly expensive. It's like a small batch thing. Oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, eh, it's good. I'm not sure it was – I don't know about grapefruit and beer together. I don't. I don't know that those flavors actually meld very well in my head. Well, you know why I tried because I love watermelon ale. I don't like fruity. Mm, yeah, fruity. we've talked about that. But yeah, but Twenty First Amendment's watermelon ale is really good. So I thought I'd give it a try. I texted my buddy uh, in the store. I said, "What do you think about this Ballast Point?" He goes, "It's great." 
So then I bought it. And <laughs> I got another text from him about whatever, 10 minutes later, I think. <laughs> whatever, you know, like, he rolled back on it a little. So again, $2 a can, not so sure. But anyway, it's, it's good. It's grown on me. $2 a can isn't terrible when you think about it because, you know, a, a six pack of beer is like 10 bucks. So yeah, I guess this is $3 a can because it's after, it's after what? It's basically 10 p.m. and I can't do math. <laughs> anyway, so that's one. I have that leftover from earlier. No, like it was seventy four dollars uh, for the six pack. That's that's three dollars a can, right? <laughs> <laughs> and what's even worse is why would I take an incredibly expensive uh, beer and I have some leftovers from earlier? <laughs> it's like, it's like, what's going on here? And then the second thing is I have um, the last of a bottle of a Villa Maria Pinot. This is a, a wine that we love from New Zealand when we went there many years uh, ago. Wine. But it's not from then. It's, it's available now. But uh, it's delicious. Okay. Is it available locally or do you have to have it imported via well, kangaroo? It, you, <laughs> it used to be. This is New Zealand, buddy. Not Australia. <laughs> they don't have kangaroos don't in New Zealand? Pretty sure they don't. Sad they little New Zealanders. So here's the thing. Uh, it, it can now be found at Safeway. Wow. Do you have Safeways where you are? I used to have a Safeway. When I grow, when I growed up, mm-hmm. there was a Safeway just down the road from the Pickle Wiggly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, we're, in, we're in hour two lunacy in minute 20 or whatever it is. <laughs> we haven't started the podcast and it's a minute 20. Anyway, oh, I have, was I supposed to hit record? <laughs> I'm mulligan. So uh, anyway, delicious red. And then finally, I'm ending with my um, another delicious glass of what you call my internet, my internet whiskey, right? My Belmead. I was, per- I was bourbon. going to mm. assume that was the answer there. Yeah, with, with some lemon, <laughs> some freshly sliced Ooh, lemon. Twisty. Yeah. What about you? I am drinking a Deschutes Black Butte Porter because it was the only beer I had in the fridge right now. Our rations are a little low from the last Deeply Dapper Dispatches recording. <laughs> Speaking of, I was listening to that on my bike. I've been, uh, yeah, I listen to it when I'm riding. And and uh, you guys were good doing your round robin about the, the beers you were you were having. And you guys mentioned the Deschutes. And I just tried that um, brand for the first time a couple weeks ago. So oh, I really? thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it's got like, kind of, they, they have one. a distinctive flavor to it. But it's yeah. I like the Black Butte Porter a lot. It's really smooth. It's a nice dark beer. Oh. Or dark-ish, anyway. It's a porter. Right. Well, this doesn't bode well. My my three drinks, one strong to your one. Well, I, I do have some some Jim Beam honey whiskey just on the floor here, and then I have water. So, <laughs> of course you do. I'm not that's, completely ration free. That's medicinal. <laughs> All right. Well, our first real segment is what we call robots root, as yes. you know. This is a fancy way of saying here's some stuff that's happening, and if you don't have the internet, you don't have any friends to talk to, you don't – I don't know. We will be your friends. We'll be your friends, and we'll talk about <laughs> Now, we do have a companion website to this podcast, right? We do. Robot-kraken.com. .com, and it's and semi-active right now. Extremely active. Yes. And uh, we post news and bits almost on a daily basis, so we're not going to cover even re- – a fraction of that on the podcast itself. right but we'll talk about the things we sort of want to talk about right yeah we'll cherry pick our favorites i think we should cherry pick our favorites i want you to start cherry pick something cherry pick something oh let's let's talk about the wonder woman footage that came out all right you the tell me what you think of that 47 seconds of it that they showed in between kevin smith nodding and looking enthusiastic oh my word that <laughs> thing's such a hot mess didn't you think who was the other guy 
I have no idea who the hosts were. I, I mean, I know Kevin Smith, but I have no idea who the other guy was. He was some sort of, like, DC programming honcho or something, I think. It felt really strange to me. It was super awkward feeling, yeah. There's a backlash against Kevin Smith right now, and I don't fully understand it because... In my mind, he's sort of like King Nerd, right? He should be, but I think he's become too much of a King Nerd. I I think it's one of those things where there are certain people that are really, really into Kevin Smith, and then there's people that really hate him. He's and polarized. most of the people that hate him, it doesn't make sense to me. They're, it's kind of this illogical hatred of someone who's just going out and doing what they enjoy doing. Although, here's a thought. Not to... Not to di- well, okay, we're going to just diverge. Okay, so here's what? the thing. What? Us diverge madness. <laughs> <laughs> here's my question about Kevin Smith. I really like listening to him, mm-hmm. right? All of his shows, I love listening to him tell stories. But his actual filmography, <laughs> I'm not that into most of the – like I try to understand. I mean I'm not the target market for some of it, right? Right. But also – and I have enjoyed many of the films he's done. But when I think of him as King Nerd, right? Right. When you look at how – I know uh, – sort of uh, indie filmmaking of today is a lot mm-hmm. different than it was 10, 15 years ago in terms of what's available at a lesser price in terms of, you know, CGI and, right. and editing controls on the computer and everything else. The stuff that they can do, I mean, they're putting movies out on iPhone, iPhone footage movies, right? Yeah, so, which is crazy, yeah. But doesn't it seem like Kevin Smith would be the guy that would be doing genre stuff on his own terms at various scales of budget? You know, you know though, he really... Way? kind of is to a certain extent it's just i think i'm kind of in the same boat as you i really enjoy listening to him talk i think he has a good voice i think he's fun to listen to he's a great storyteller i'm just not really into his films and but like like right now he's got a film at sundance called uh yoga hosers yeah yoga hosers yeah yeah and it's just straight up him Wanting to make some fun, goofy horror film, so he's making a goofy horror trilogy. Is that what that is? Yeah, like another like a uh, a callback to Clerks. In a yeah, way. he is well, making it it's the it is the second installment in a horror Canadian horror trilogy that he yeah. started with the movie called Tusk that I started oh. watching and could not finish That's because weird. it is pretty bad. It's really? one of those where if I'd had some friends and some whiskey and some ice cream, I probably could have finished it. That's your first mistake. <laughs> right. Why didn't you have those things? Um, and then I guess the third movie that comes out is going to be Jaws, but with a moose. So oh, okay. he, yeah, he really yeah. is making whatever he damn well feels like. Chris, this is the kind of thing that I look for in Deeply Dapper Dispatches podcasts. <laughs> you talk about horror, you talk about unusual indie films, and this is exactly what I would expect to hear from you guys. Yeah, you won't get much of the Kevin Smith into things on, on 3D, though, because Devin and Ben both despise Kevin Smith. That's, so. yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. But I wasn't offended by Chasing Amy and, and – well, I didn't see – uh, Gili, whatever you, however you pronounce that movie, Gili. Oh, I totally forgot that was him. Was that Gili? him? Yeah, wasn't oh. it? And Jersey Girl. He did. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, right. I, I didn't yeah. see those two, so I wasn't offended because I didn't see him. Right. And Chasing Amy, I like fine as a romantic. Yeah, Chasing comedy. Amy wasn't bad. Yeah. Right. And I like the first Clerks. I think. What's, I hmm. think Devin's main thing is he's just not really into the stoner humor stuff. I can get it. Yeah. And he didn't like Dogma. I think was the one that he really disliked. Yeah, I didn't see that either. Yeah. So I can't really say that I don't 
I don't relate to his films because I haven't seen as many as I thought I had. <laughs> like, I have seen. I've seen two of them. <laughs> I've seen the best part of Clerks 2, which is that Rosario, Rosario Dawson? Dawson dancing on the roof. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was frankly pissed <laughs> that Daredevil season one didn't have a callback to that. It was a perfectly good opportunity. <laughs> they had the guy in the chair. They were going to torture him. She could have started that. That would have been pretty great, actually. I think she might have even had a, a, like a white tank top on. It would have been perfect. It would have been a perfect little callback. It would have. It's very disappointing. You need to write Marvel and let them know that you were disappointed in that. I should. And they wouldn't listen. <laughs> Marvel listens to their fans. Come on. Okay, so we're talking about Wonder Woman. Oh, is that what we're talking and about? It was the, and it was, and now we're talking about Rosario Dawson, too. Okay, so that guy, I don't understand that whole setup. It seemed like one of those things. It seemed like sort of like the Star Wars uh, toy unboxing for 24 hours. It seemed right. like someone came up with the idea that this was the way they were going to build some huge buzz, make this event. Right. Force people to go and watch it live. And... um Boy, oh boy, it didn't work for me at all. Uh, yeah, I and I, I watched online, but... the entire thing, but in segments, just yeah. like via clips online. So I didn't like sit and watch the entire thing. But it seemed incredibly... It, You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when I was a kid in the 80s. And they had that Saturday morning cartoon sneak preview in prime time where it was like, and next year on Saturday morning cartoons, there's going to be this show called The Snorks. (laughs) And and it's like, well, this is super exciting for me as a little kid, but as an an adult, this has got to be the worst programming ever to sit and watch. (laughs) What I didn't understand was I thought, who's the target market for this broadcast? So it's. I think they put it through Arrow, maybe or something, right? It was one. Yeah, of the it was. In, it was either in between Arrow or Flash or one okay. of those. So it's sandwiched between two genre shows that are being entirely watched by people who like comics or they like these kinds of pro- right. products, right? And then they presented it in the in the most generic, like simple version of each of those properties, right? Oh, and there's a guy who can control, you know, fish and blah blah blah. <laughs> and I'm really excited. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Who's next? You know, and yeah, it, I, it was like they were explaining these characters to the small percentage of the population of the planet that don't know the major DC characters. Right. right. Like you it was something where like been... you could see it showing mid Big Bang Theory or something where it was people yeah. that had no concept of what you were talking about, but thought they were nerds. But instead, no, they're like, let's put it in bro. Arrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's like you would have thought it would have been more uh, – more behind the scenes. They were right. relying on concept art, so you'd think they would have talked a little bit more about that, but it was like there was... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really surprised me. Like, Wonder Woman had some real footage in it, which I liked yeah. that that was basically what they showed for Wonder Woman. But most of the others that I saw, it was just like, well, okay, here's some, some concept art, which is different from comic book art because there's no word balloons attached to it. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And, and in fact, uh, what was really jarring was that a lot of the concept art predated casting. Right. So it's all over the place. Um, Aquaman was blonde, but he wasn't even the bearded one. He was just like, I don't know. He was like, this is not what he'll look like, but this is what he looks like. It was the first time we saw a cyborg, right? Although we saw four versions of him and none of them were interesting. Right. But yeah. They had the, the weird like – quasi painted picture of them and yeah the writer in me was just getting aggravated when they said he he doesn't sleep he just sits there all night 
absorbing absorbing data. Okay, look, (laughs) you can put the internet on a flash drive. I don't think that was really. I don't think that was really (laughs) right. It was. It was like that. Tech characters in comics are always, you know, they're sort of implying tech, some sort of future tech. But if uh, you know Ellis or someone isn't writing it, or Grant Morrison isn't writing it, they're really going to sound lame. Like you know. You know what I mean? They describe they describe technology at a level they think is appropriate for kids. You know, that's right. We fine. Um, but the kids that are reading these today, if a kid who's twelve, nine to twelve, right, the target market for most of those comics, you know, if they found a nine year old who would actually read a physical comic book these days, that nine year old has you know probably five electronic devices they're using on a regular basis. Right, without programs. question. Yeah, so you know, characters like Cyborg just don't make sense to me anymore. Yeah, they Plus, either have to come out and they'll be like, Cyborg has these special apps for fighting crime. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing. I, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's like also they've rewritten him so many times that he's just basically Terminator. So I don't know. Yeah, I've I've never really had much interest in Cyborg to begin with, but particularly now as an adult and where I'm sitting with my interest level in comics and movies, he's just a completely non-starter for me. That's like I have no interest in seeing him. Uh, there's nothing about him that I find compelling at all. <laughs> I have a theory about when Cyborg went wrong. It's when Star Trek The Next Generation introduced the Borg. They I can see Cyborg. that. Because not only do you have the, the, the split face with the stupid optic and all that other stuff, but they also had this whole thing, you know, man versus machine and they right. had characters that were starting to, you know, seven of nine, starting to pull away and do all that. So they were, they, you know, here was something that was a fairly mainstream sci-fi show that, 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 that beat to death the concept of a human uh, machine intelligence hybrid. And uh, I yeah, know. yeah, no, but, I, I could see that definitely. So this Wonder Woman topic has really been fun. Um, <laughs> on, so those, on the topic of Wonder Woman herself. 47 seconds. I'm actually kind of excited about it, though, to be honest. I like the – it looks like it's a period piece. At least most of it, right? Right, right. Well, I'm extremely optimistic, but you know that's my role. Right. Always – I'm, I'm going to assume and hope that it's going to be great and then – as things go south, I try to tell myself, well, you know, I'm going to find something good about it. I choose I choose to enjoy these projects whenever I can. Right. I'm, I'm optimistic for that movie because even though uh, – do we think – do you think it's pronounced Gadot or uh, – uh, I think it's Gadot, but I'm not honestly sure. I usually look those up before we do the podcast and I did not this time. And so all I know is her first name is Gal or Gal. Yeah, so, okay. So we're going to call – we're going to say – that impressive woman, comma. yes, uh, you know, even though she's thin compared to what we have in the sort of modern era, have g- gotten used to seeing Wonder Woman drawn much more athletically and in sort of buffer and more stern. right. Uh, I really like the way she looks. I like the way she looks in the costume. I like her eyes. I like her lips. She, I find her compelling. I'm not trying to just um, devolve this into a base thing. Right. I'm not saying necessarily in a sexual way. I just like. Um, I think she's watchable. She's yeah. an interesting, interesting choice. She's so, very, she's very charismatic. Well, and she's one of those, and she's one of those actresses or actors that I look at and I say, "This looks like someone that I might have drawn." Right? The right. features, proportions of things look a little screwy. Like maybe, you know, you're looking at a live version of something that was drawn. I don't. Yeah. Know. No, I get that. 
So the the fact that it would be set in the past to me is just you know it's gravy because I love period stuff and I love period super stuff. So. Right, right. Well, I mean that was my favorite part of the Captain America movie, and well, I just yeah. I I would love it if this movie is legitimately period. It's not oh the first five minutes of it that we showed you here is all we had filmed, but it really takes place during modern days where she's baffled by smartphones and. Well, so here's the thing, though. They're doing they're doing all this maneuvering to try to both, I think, reference Captain America. Maybe you know, in the in the sort of the this came before, and they can't help but get around, they can't help but admit the fact that this is going to be very, feel very similar, right. right? But at the same time, they're trying to make all these deviations. Like now, they're saying it's World War One and not World War Two, right? It's What's his name? Steve Trevor. Is that right? Steve Rogers? No, that's Steve super. Rogers is that Captain America? America? Yeah, that is. I have yeah. no fucking clue. You could see the Christopher Pike. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so she meets him then. We also know that he's in the contemporary scenes too. So everyone's right. Grandfather, grandson that looks like, or great grandson that looks see, like. See, that's what grandson. I'm wondering what's going on there. Yeah. Has he been like stuck in a hellish dimension? We don't know. Uh, yeah. But, but okay, so let's say it is. Okay, so it's World War One. All right, that's fine. In the continuity of the comics, she is a very old being. Right. Been, you know, doing this work for a long time. What's strange, though, and it could be editing, and it could be them course correcting as they go. Because mm-hmm. I can never tell with these guys anymore. But everything in that footage seemed to suggest that she was venturing out into, into man's world for the first right. time. Right. Very, like, wide-eyed and, you know, you know. Pull the coat around her and, you know, right. Um, and yet now they're saying that she's 5,000 years old. And that was, yeah. that was said earlier this week. And then also uh, Snyder keeps saying that she's been basically retired because, uh, you know, the, the world at large was helpless. Okay. It was hopeless, right? The, right. Her mission to bring peace to the world um, has basically, I assume, failed or she's given right. up. Just – whatever uh human human nature is to kill each other and so she's she's retired and now she's being lured back so that's really inconsistent with how we've seen bits of her so far absolutely yeah it's one of those things where okay especially based off of what they've said here if she's 500 or 5000 or whatever years old so world war 1 she's like i'm going to go out and see the world and la di da and look wide-eyed and beautiful and ride a horse <laughs> Twice. And twice. At least twice. And then at some point between then and now, she retires and is like, fuck this noise. I'm going back to my island to drink margaritas and wear inappropriate clothing for the climate. And... No, she's going to drink that Greek Greek spirit. What is that called? Is it orzo? Orzo. Orzo. Uh, That's a pasta, isn't it? Orzo. You're right. Hey, here's the internet. You keep talking. She's going to drink pasta? I'm going to pretend like I just remembered this. (laughs) That is pasta. Gosh. Tom. (laughs) Greek. She's she's going back to her island to drink pasta. And... (laughs) Greek spirits. Yes. I get get deities. Of course. Oh, man. Well, she's a goddess, right? Ozo. O-U-Z-O. Ozo, That's, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's Anis. 
in it, right? Right. Yeah, it's uh, very licorice tasting from what I've yeah, heard. That's, that's what she'd go back in. Uh, yeah. I've had that at a party where they're passing it around, and after a while you forget who you are. <laughs> Much like this podcast. You sure that isn't absinthe? No, oh, that's too. Very similar. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. So it's inconsistent, but at the same time, they're doing pre-press on early footage of a solo movie of a character that's being hinted at and we've seen slivers of right. lead up to a movie that's about to come out. So I think that maybe a lot of this will change when you're listening to podcasts of ours in, I don't know, a month and a half. Right. Sure have a different um, perspective on the character. But anyway, that footage was cool. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. What I saw I that wanted- was cool. I did think it was interesting though, that they showed as much of the footage as they did there. I mean, that's clearly multiple scenes that they've shot and edited and done a little bit of special effect and obviously a tremendous amount of color correcting on. Yes. And yet they didn't show a, even a, a screenshot of Aquaman in action Well, as the okay. character. Wait, two things. One, also, okay, so the second thing, uh, you know, we don't know how much those guys are even in. Right. Batman versus Superman versus whomever. They could really be like the end where they just show up or closing credits or something like that. We don't know. But right. also, I'm glad they haven't shown us anything more. I don't want to see anything. And I agree with that. That's true too. Yeah. But what I did think was weird was that they didn't show anything of her in costume. No. They really didn't show much of her fighting. And I would think if they're trying to drum up excitement for the character, particularly if their target market is genre TV watchers, right. I don't know what the gender uh, demographics are <clears throat> Arrow and Flash, but I have to figure while it's the CW, there's probably more female viewers than some other channels perhaps. Right. I still have to imagine it's mostly men, mostly boys. And so a bunch of images of her fluffed up in 20s hats, you know, whatever, stepping on and off train platforms and riding horses isn't as compelling as, you know, five seconds of her swinging a sword around in a Snyder way. Right. It's it's not a Snyder film, but you know what I mean. Right. Well, and it is – who is this directing Wonder Woman? It's a female director, isn't it? It is. It is. It's – I'm going to pretend I know. <laughs> As you summon the Imdaba. Yeah, the Imdaba. <laughs> uh, who is that? Okay. Patty Jenkins, that's right. Uh, okay. So I'm I'm really wondering if the footage that she has completed so far, to a certain is extent, is intentionally woman friendly and Well, yeah, but still for that kind of marketing push, you'd think that the way that whole thing was presented, you think they would show at least something of the costume. It was the only one that they didn't show anything of. Right. And it's and it, and while it's very possible that they've only shot those scenes because it just started. Right. That's all they had. Damn, like, they've got they a solid cast started. on that. They do. And maybe they, when they were preparing this little special, they said, hey, send us what you got. And then they sent it over. They're like, um, this is know, what we've okay. got. They've got. <laughs> But they've got the promo art of her with the with the cloak on, you know, with the hood. Yeah, and, and it looks really dope. good. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. You would have thought they would have at least done that thing where they do a Ken Burns style slow slow zoom of that image while they're talking. For <laughs> right. It, it, there was nothing. Anyway, <laughs> but but somehow we're still saying that was a good thing. Wonder Woman was was good news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I feel like we just whined about that whole broadcast too long. <laughs> I'm insecure about it. There's no such what thing else? as whining too long. This is the internet. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so what else was going on uh, in the, since we last talked? Uh, Ninja Turtles, right? 
There is a new Ninja Turtles coming out, yeah. That was in front of one of the showings of Star Wars I caught. Was it? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, it was in front of the 2D version that I saw. And that is so, the only place I've uh, seen the trailer so far, too. When I saw I saw both of them in sort of weird formats. I That's had, true, you did, yeah. The, the boutique theater, and then I saw the 3D one. And so, yeah, I haven't seen any actual um, previews for this, but I know everyone's excited because all those uh, characters from either the show or the comics, the, the more loony stuff... They're showing it, right? Yeah, yeah. Bebop and Rocksteady the, right. are both in it. Um, the guy that plays Arrow in the DC show is playing Casey, Casey Jones. That's an odd choice, actually. It yeah. is, but yeah, I always pictured someone a little swarthier and kind of dirtier than him. Was he in the comics ever? I mean, was he wandering around without his mask a lot of time? I don't remember him ever taking his mask off in the comics, honestly. And that's my point. Yeah. They hire Avery Sexy as a man. character. Well, so now it's like it's you know Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, right? Is he going to be getting his hockey mask off every every other scene and then right, right, right? It's a concern I have, and it's an understandable concern as well. <laughs> so Bebop and who's the other one? Rocksteady. Rocksteady, yeah. So those are the those are the the breakdancing bad guys, right? They're you are not well versed in the turtles, are you? <laughs> well, I watch parts. No, actually, like, I don't think I ever saw any cartoon. I Bebop and Rocksteady, you say? <laughs> well, <laughs> am I wrong? Well, what are they called? Yes, Bebop and Rocksteady. One of them is a warthog, and the other one is a rhinoceros. I see. I recognize them, but I don't think I ever saw them in anything. I only read early. Back in my day, black and white TMNT <laughs> comics that I didn't that I didn't keep, and thus I don't have one of those. That's true. You were a little older than the cartoon, was. weren't you? That's right. Yeah, you were a little older than the cartoon and the figures, so that that does make sense. That it's a little past your interest range. I recognize them and Krang, right? Krang, right. And then wasn't there what? Which one had them? Was it the Mousers or something? Like they're like little robot bipedal robots with big teeth yeah that was uh baxter stockman and his mousers mousers see yeah i know what i'm talking about baxter stockman is played by tyler perry in the new movie oh no No. it's it is a weird cast dude it's got megan fox as april o'neill still Stephen amell as casey jones uh tyler perry plays baxter stockman i called him avery earlier by the way you can edit that out you can just change that (laughs) just insert something okay well they'll they'll just assume you know who you were talking about uh laura lenny's in it in some capacity um johnny knoxville does the voice of one of the turtles it's really weird there's another thing that I'll have to assume makes me sound like a like an NPR watching dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura Linney irritates me because she always introduces Masterpiece Theater on on PBS, <laughs> and I'm always like, why is this American introducing Masterpiece Theater? Yeah, she was born in New York to... City. <laughs> anyway, I saw the first movie. I, did I a, have I did not actually. Show. Really? Yeah. How it was it? Up. It got a lot of uh, got a lot of flack. There were some issues with it, but I will say this: I did like the fact of all the other things they did. The turtles were big and heavy. I liked that they looked like they had some weight to them. 
it's weird their faces. They could have seen a lot of stuff on, on the interwebs where, where people have done some little CGI and they do a little tweet or they do a little editing in Photoshop and suddenly it looks like the right thing. Right. But um, uh, yeah, so they look creepy. In fact, they look like the way Doomsday looks, you know? Right. Right. But, uh, what I, and, and then the, their, their affectations are way too much, right? The one guy has like five goggles on and whatever. But but there's a there's a scene in that movie where they're like hurling down a hill. I, I have to admit I saw it on a plane on the way to Singapore and I was having a lot of um, refreshing beverages. So it's not fully clear what happened. But I do remember uh, Will Arnett being miscast. And, oh, is he in that it, one too? Yeah, he's he's the cameraman or something. Oh, gotcha. Megan Fox doing whatever it is she does. And then – but anyway, there's Pouting. a scene where they're – What? <laughs> Pouting I think is what Pouting. she does. So there was a scene where they're like – hurtling at high speed down a snowy embankment or whatever and then there's like a a humvee i think it was a humvee and one of the ninja turtles was like rolling and flipping or something and he basically hits the humvee on like on a downslope towards a cliff and he hits him with the shell it's gonna crush and kind of like it's like crushes in and then it's hurled over the side like you really feel like he got hit with something really hard at high velocity that's cool if nothing else, I was impressed by that. Nice. And Megan Fox probably looked pretty good, I think. I don't <laughs> well, and you watch that in the right circumstances. I actually just got done reading an article in oh, Total Film, maybe, or Empire, one of the British film magazines that I have a digital subscription to. I was going to say, what, what, kind of, what kind of reading of what kind of article are you talking right, about? Right, right. And they were talking about how there's a, a certain class of film that they – feel like they miss out on, and so they try to watch them on uh, airplanes when they're right. traveling. <laughs> well, and then on the flip side, I see films when I'm traveling that, I well, I'll try to hold off. Cause I'm like, I want to see that on the bigger screen. Right. And maybe the circumstances are such that I end up watching it anyway. And then it's all about when can I go and see it again in the right environment. Because right? that 10-inch screen didn't cut it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I've got a list of movies to see again on top of my list of movies to see for the first time. <laughs> right. Because we will never see all the movies we want to see. <laughs> Gosh. These are the troubles. These are my struggles. You the understand? struggles are the real. Struggles. <laughs> <laughs> what else is going on? So TMNT. That's the thing that's happening. That is the thing that's happening. We kind of glossed over Suicide Squad while we were talking about DC. Okay. Suicide Squad. Now, look. <laughs> you talked about this before. That uh, when that Batman versus Superman versus whoever right. trailer came out and it was kind of underwhelming. Remember we had that whole thing about probably a a whole half of an episode. <laughs> Seven like, hours. One trailer and then it devolved. But uh, I remember going back and watching. It wasn't even the new Suicide Squad trailer at the time. It was just the very first one. Oh, that little teaser was, thing that they put yeah, out? The yeah. one where they slowed down the song kind of like they did for the Ultron stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like, and I remember thinking, I'm so thrilled about this movie, which is the one I thought was like, well, I don't know how they're going to pull it off. That's the movie. That was the trailer that got me fired up again. Right. So that and Civil War. So it's a strange place where the movie about their pantheon is less interesting to me sounding than the movie about the, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's and I think part of the reason I am interested in it is because it is it's not like I have a real strong attachment to any of the DC characters. I'm a Marvel zombie or and like even I have a stronger attachment to a lot of indie stuff before DC. But there's Finally. there's Finally like comic. this instinctive 
acknowledge that they're fucking up these characters yeah, <laughs> in the main yeah. movie where it's like they're they're not bright, they're not colorful, they're not happy, they're not funny. And so to see something like Suicide Squad that's just straight out technicolor and bright and bombastic, that's what a comic book movie should be. And so it's I, I want to dive in on this. I really want to talk about Suicide Squad. <laughs> I think about it when I'm riding I'm on my bike and I'm just I'm just shredding and I'm thinking Suicide Squad. <laughs> I only read I only read the I keep wanting to say it's the more modern but of course you know I fell off of DC I don't know whatever the late aughts right <laughs> so whatever the, the more modern suicide squad so there was you know there was the secret 6 and then there was suicide squad this was all in the in the aughts right okay it was 2000 did you read any of those I can honestly say I've never read a single issue of suicide squad well, okay. So in the modern, so um, there are there are great series, and probably we should talk about that on another on another show. But um, the the one thing I liked, I, I really liked them. But what I did like about it was that it handled the concept of the uh, incarcerated, doomed villains taking on a death mission with the promise that if they survive, they live. They took that and they made it an interesting story. Hmm. And I also read all the Thunder. I read some of the Thundercats. Or no, Thundercats. Thundercats, huh? I'm only two drinks in. Those are definitely associated there. <laughs> did you see? Wait, did you see the thing on the thing about uh, someone uh, recut the Thundercats opener with uh, as a as a Jamaican song? Like as no. Dance hall slash dance hall reggae. Really. Thing. All right, I'm going to send it to you, and also we're going to put it on the site. Because That's it's pretty amazing. fantastic. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> He's just describing what he sees in the, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, opening thing. It's oh, great. that's awesome. <laughs> Thunderbolts. I didn't watch the original. I didn't read oh, the original Thunderbolts, ones. yes. Yeah, I, I didn't read the original ones because I didn't care, but I liked the premise, but I didn't like Mark Bagley's art. No pro- no offense to him, but I just it wasn't what I wanted, and, and I didn't like the character choices, the designs, and uh, – you know, but anyway, so then later on I started watching it or reading it and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was very similar to Suicide Squad. But So they all kind of blurred in my mind about how you would tell that kind of story. Right. I, when they announced this movie, I wasn't optimistic. No. Because you know, they, there's all. no sense that they would be able to pull this off in a way that was interesting. And then you start seeing the early footage. And granted, Aver, or, oh, what's his name? Ayers. Ayers, right? Yes, David Ayer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but I like what he does. I mean, I've only seen some of them, but most recently I saw Fury and I thought it was I great. forgot he directed that. Yeah, that was good. You like that? What yes, and what he what what it showed me was he had a point of view, right? He has a right. he has a style that's that's interesting and he has a very good point of view as a as a as a, a storyteller. So, that got me interested. And when that first trailer came out, I got really excited. And also, here's another thing. I don't like Harley Quinn. I know I'm a, <laughs> I'm in a minority here about that. Everybody loves the show. Everybody loves her right her, her character and her madcap antics and her costume and uh, Joker. This to me, it's just never it, it never appealed because I didn't watch the cartoon. Um, right? I, yeah, I, and I, she like, was really cool in the cartoon. But even cartoon versus comic book, she was a completely different character. I liked the imagery of her but i didn't i didn't ever like reading her dialogue or watching her right and then i would see some of these uh, more modern takes on her designs and i've drawn many of them as you know um and i like a lot of the looks of the character and i like the 
the idea of a psychologist or a psychiatrist that's got, gotten obsessed with their client and then slipped over to the other side and is now right. just a lunatic. I love it. I love it. However, it never really appealed to something I wanted to, to spend any time on until I saw this interpretation of it and I got really – See, and I'm really curious where they're going to go with that as far as her origins and the Joker and all of that. The idea of Harley Quinn, I love the Batman animated series, and I really like Tim and all of the other writers and art direction on her on that, and Dini and everybody else that created her. Um, But I've never ever liked her in the comics because they I just don't think they have the right handle on her in the in the cartoon they give her that that manic almost adorable clowniness to it mm-hmm. and I think either that's the way to go or you should go super dark like killing joke dark where yes. Uh, yes. which would make a really interesting story about how she goes from being a psychiatrist to somebody that's legitimately like cracked obsessed with this serious uh, this sociopath yeah. but yeah. Uh, this is possibly the closest to an interpretation that I have any interest in beyond the original animated series so dig this i think after Heath Ledger did Joker mm-hmm. the way he did, that was a template that I actually thought Harley would work with, where he's uh, edgy and dangerous, but at the same time seems to be amused or motivated in a way that's not normal but is compelling. Right. Right. right? So I'm not saying that. Heath Ledger's Joker needed a Harley Quinn at all, but I'm saying that that reminded me of an aspect of of how you would play Harley Quinn that would make it interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then also, I think that um, what drives me nuts about the comic interpretations of her is that she seems to be like DC is trying to capture Deadpool in a bottle. Yeah. Right? She's very fourth wall. She's really kind of goofy, and I, I mean, I and I love Amanda Connor, and I like that roller derby inspired. New Fifty Two version of the character. I like the I like the imagery. I said I draw it a lot, but um, you know, the, but the the personality seems to be very um, I don't know, madcap. You know, yeah, kind of uh, that doesn't work for me. So what we've seen in the trailers so far has made me feel like they've they, they've got an edge of that sort of, um, but they've they've twisted it into something that I find more uh, realistic, which is that she's a. An ex- she seems to be an exhibitionist personality, at least in her post-transformation to Harley Quinn. Right, right. right. She's she's doing that thing in front of all the 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 guys where she's like, you know, oh, the voices in my head, blah blah blah. She's obviously enjoying the attention. You can right. tell the characters enjoying the attention, and she's enjoying being chaotic, <laughs> right? And, yeah, and, yeah, and divisive and weird and sexy and and just just unhinged. Yeah, and I think that that was something that I could relate to just in the in the in the in what we've seen so far is I've seen that I've seen that archetype in people that I've known I've I've known women who were that way or men too right right, I mean, right you know, absolutely I, I've known I've known people that were like that and that, you know there is definitely aspect of their sexuality as a component of that exhibitionism right right so anyway that new trailer was amazing right yeah. Yeah, I was really, really surprised how much I liked it. I was, 
I was ready to go into this film being like, man, whatever, this sucks. And I'm still really up in the air about the Joker. Yeah. Uh, Joker Catalano, as we now <laughs> refer to him, is just, he's so, he's the opposite of what I pictured the Joker being, aside from his outfits. His outfits look really solid. And I have to admit that, honestly, 60% of my complaint with the character is those damn facial tattoos. Yeah. Well, hmm. I I don't mind that he's tattooed. My problem is that it looks like he was ta- his design was done by someone who doesn't have any ink. Well, and that's exactly it. Yeah, the the people that whoever it was that designed the tattoos for him with the character in mind, if they were somebody that was like an actual tattoo designer or artist, they would never have been like, "Oh, that disturbed across the forehead. That'll look great on him." Well, like that character would ever do that. Or right. even better, the referential uh, sort of cloud of ha, 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 you know? Right, like, right. The font directly out of the Joker. Neil Adams Batman yeah. comics. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. So, yeah, I like the concept of the the ink on him and they're sort of they're sort of evoking the the, the you know the the russian mob the prison tats and everything i mean they're definitely kind of giving you that vibe that he's been having this stuff done right in a, in sort of sketchy circumstances and then you put the grill in and stuff and you're you're making him um it's an interesting direction and it i have is. to say i've really grown to like it a lot more than i did when they first came out with it because i thought you know what do you do to to differentiate yourself from Heath Ledger, right? How, right. Do you, how do you move away from that that performance and that look? Right. And so they definitely found a way to make him interesting. It looks like one of those – it looks like a redesign challenge. Absolutely, yeah. They Joker, went right? as far the opposite direction as they could with it still being identifiable as the Joker. And I do really like that. Well, and then also he's – it's I don't know if pimp is the right word, but he's definitely deliberately wearing really – gaudy oh yeah elaborately gauche stuff he's got these like metallic purple outfits <laughs> right and then we've seen the footage that they were they were filming where he's his uh his car it's a kit of a i think it's a kit on an infinity or something but yeah you know, it's something his car bizarre is some metallic, yeah, yeah it's, a metallic, it's like a metal flake purple car yeah it's like you that know. chromed metal steel yeah. kind of thing yeah. yeah he's i mean it's very it's very deliberate right yeah. There's a lot of stuff in, in uh, Supers movies from back in the day that was stylized, but there was no real realistic explanation for it, right? Right. Like the, um, the old, uh, uh, you know, the, the the Joker that we got in the Keaton movies, he had this really elaborate thing. He had his clowns wearing a certain stylized outfit, and he had these funny you know, sort of artifice to him. But you didn't have any sense of why he would have it or why any of that would exist. This Joker, it looks like there's somewhere, some really horrible, uh, <laughs> right. really horrible place in Vegas. He bought all that stuff. Right. See. He. You know what he reminds me of? He actually reminds me a lot of like the, the Russian mobsters you'd see in like a 90s crime flick. Right. Where they're that super over the top, gaudy ass, like chrome everything. Their outfits match their vehicles, type of thing. Mixed with a with a with a ringleader, ringmaster of a of a circus. Oh so. yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> there's a, there's a spectacle to it. A yeah, that I really like. Um, so a lot of stuff in that new trailer really makes you wonder about how they're cutting this up 
and what the sequence is. Yeah, the plot is completely not making any sense to me at all. But how great is it that we don't know who they're sent after? We've seen a lot of imagery, right? We've seen some demon stuff in the subway. Yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on there. And I don't know whether – so I have some theories on that. But but overall, they haven't shown us what they're out – they've just shown us them being organized and then dropped into a – you know, war zone. Chicago. Right. Uh, yeah. The, the demon City, thing but... in particular, it's, I'm really curious to see what the big bad is in this film because it, it looks like it's like the darkness or something like that. It's just really strange. So I had, I had been, um, uh, cultivating a theory as I like to do, um, that they're actually going after the Joker. Okay. Earlier, he was involved in the creation of Harley Quinn, and he's been connected to these characters. But now, maybe he was working for the government, and now they're sending these guys after him because he's he's gotten out of control. Right. And now I think more maybe I'm I'm wanting that to be the case than maybe that's <laughs> not the case. Because I have to admit, all signs point to Enchantress actually being... The, bil- the villain in it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's that scene where she's in the White House and she's all, you know, whatever, swampy. Smoky. And then, yeah. And then all of her power seems, I mean, she has that um, that dimensional stuff. Right. And all that stuff that we've seen seems to suggest that. And also, here's the other thing. In all except for one sequence, you see them wandering along and she's not with them. Right. It's like Slipknot is not with them. Yeah. So I think Slipknot's probably the first to go, right? Mm-hmm. He's the first to – they have to demonstrate the head. There's got to be some cannon fodder, yeah. Right? they got to demonstrate to them that you know if you don't do what you're supposed to do, your head's going to explode. And the other thing is he's wearing his outfit when they introduce him. So I wonder if he's That's either true. the survivor of a previous crew of Suicide Squad people or he was a volunteer – you know, when they arrange the program, you know, he's not one of the ones that had to be recruited. He was already there. Oh, and yeah. That, that makes like part of the first round or something like that. Maybe. Uh, yeah. But he definitely seems like he's not going to make it to the end. He seems like it's that guy. I don't know how they're going to do without his rope, his rope skills. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really like three quarters of them are completely fucking useless for the most part. <laughs> There's that scene where Joker like throws either she jumps or is pushed or he throws her off not slipknot throws harley quinn i was like i think slipknot's a dude dude dude. (laughs) that's a man man so throws her off into like a giant vat of something right and and takes a swan dive uh aliens aliens three style (laughs) right and then he lands in the goop and then he grabs her and you know I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's putting her in goop to make her like him. Maybe that's part of her origin. I'm wondering. Yeah, Hatchbacks. the way they shot that, it's a very origin story-esque shot, definitely. And we've seen in previous footage that she was a psychiatrist talking to him. And right. We have seen him then later doing this whole, I'm going to torture you on the on this, on this gurney. grungy medical gurney. Yeah. Which seems to suggest that maybe that's her, that he's got her, and he's going to maybe, I don't know. So I feel like we're getting flashbacks of him. Maybe. And here's another thing. And this speaks also not only to what we've seen about this film, but also a problem I have about the modern era of super storytelling. Because of spoilers and, you know, early footage that gets leaked on the Internet and because everything is integrated in these, you know, they're starting to try, you know, DC is trying to follow the Marvel map of an integrated universe. Right. 
there's no surprise to Batman being in this film. No, not at all. And if they had not, if they had managed to keep that on a closed set, mm-hmm. how rad would it have been to have walked into Suicide Squad being like, oh, this is going to be pretty cool. And then all of a sudden have Batman. Bat, yeah, Ben Affleck Batman on the car. Yeah. Right? And it made me real. It made me think about those movies that we've seen when we were younger where there was a surprise cameo or a surprise appearance from a character. Right. And everyone in the theater would jump and go, you know, that's really hard to pull off now. It is like uh, aside from the post credit sting sequence. Right. Right. Which they film at at a later date. And (laughs) right. Well, look at what's happening with um, with uh, the Ghostbusters film. There's so there's so much negative attitude about this female cast in this new direction that despite their insistence that they weren't going to leak any their show any cameos, they've announced four of the four or five cameos of original cast you know cast members of the film, right? As if to stem the bleeding. Yeah. And what a bummer, man. I yeah. Mean, kind of yeah. How exciting would it have been if we'd walked in not knowing they were going to be in that, or they insisted they wouldn't be and then they were, you know? Right. Hmm. Anyway, Suicide Squad. I can't <laughs> Why is that? Is I, I showed it to my buddy um, Blake and, and or I told him about it when we were out and then he went and watched it the next day and he wrote, he texted me and he said, August seems like really long, really far away, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's really interesting to me for the Warner Brothers DC machine that they would have a situation where I just can't imagine that any of those pencil pushers or the executives or any of the people – but worrying about the money, worrying about the big deal of the franchises, that they're sitting there thinking, okay, we got a Batman Superman movie coming out in like a month and a half, and people are saying, boy, August seems far away. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the word. <laughs> anyway. What else? Blade Runner. Blade Runner. We got Blade Runner. Uh, think supposedly. I. It's a deal. They've confirmed this. It's a deal, but he's not directing it. He's just writing. That's true. And the guy who's directing, I haven't seen anything from, but I have heard good things about Prisoners. And I've heard great things about Sicario. Mm. Yes, it's not my type of movie from what I've seen, but it does look really good. Yeah, you know, I have trouble imagining sitting down and watching it. It seems like it's brutal and I'm going to be that I would feel uncomfortable with it, but uh, Emily Blunt. <laughs> right. But still, anyway, it's very well received, and that's a good sign. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 From what I've heard, his films are good in terms of atmosphere and slow burn and characterization and that kind of thing. I've, he does hasn't done anything like this type of world. That's true. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Bad thing. Almost everyone I know is outraged that there's a Blade Runner 2 in development. They're outraged. Like, how could you possibly do this? But just like franchises like Aliens or any of these things where we love the first movie and then they did sequels and some are good and some are bad. Die Hard is another great example. I've had right. this with our friend Iron Lung many times. Uh, I can easily pull out aspects of a, of a franchise and pretend they don't exist and I can truncate the... The continuity and decide that only the parts I like work. And, <laughs> and also, they can do sequels to an original movie that I loved, and and it doesn't take away from the. It's just like creative teams changing on comics. It Absolutely, doesn't take away the original, right? So right. I'm not offended that they're going to make a Blade Runner two, particularly given that there's some pedigree 
right. in terms of uh, the Scott and obviously now Harrison Ford is right. committed to it. You know, I, I feel like if they're going to do it, it sounds like they're they're making a um, an effort at, at making something interesting. Yeah, yeah. And Ryan Gosling is a watchable guy. He's an interesting actor. So that's yeah, okay. yeah. And he's an interesting casting for it. But I've liked almost everything he's done, and he's done very different things in yeah, it yeah. all. Well, and here's another thing about this Blade Runner project. So we've seen so many movies, sci-fi movies with CGI budgets that have made references or nods to the original Blade Runner that were way over the top and didn't work because they were so, you know, in the uncanny valley right. of, of fantasy special effects. They were just so over the top. You don't feel in, invested. Like uh, Fifth Elements, Taxi Scene. Right. Direct nod to Sid Mead, right? Right. And then... Uh, and then they tried to ape it again in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Was it Clone Wars? He uh, took a dive off the, the ship. No, with the, 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 the chase ship. and the bar scene. It, I think it was the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah right. Second one, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Heavily, all green screen doesn't feel real. And There's no like sense it, of weight at all. Right. And what as, a, as an architect, what I loved so much about Blade Runner was that you felt like you were looking at a – a city that's gone vertical and the grungy horror really old craps at the bottom and the nicer stuff's at the top and everything the atmosphere's jacked up and it's it's hong kong taken to an extreme right and uh my hope is with this project they'll take a page from force awakens and put as much into practical effects and exist and real sets as possible because that's how they can make that movie interesting yeah if they go all out with special effects it will not work for no me not at all blade runner the original blade runner proved that you didn't need any of that even some of that original stuff the whole thing from fifth element was well you know he concept he concepted that the spinner was supposed to come up over the city and then come down and do all this stuff and, right. and all these images that they, they they edited out of it because or they edited out of the script because they didn't have the means to make it look good <laughs> right. and now we can in the fifth element so let's go crazy and it's you know yeah, there's no sense of any real peril to it because it's so obviously not real. Yeah, Frogger, right? They've got to uh, keep that 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 down to earth noir feel to it, or it's gonna that's that's where it's gonna either fail or succeed, in my opinion. Well, and not only did Blade Runner feel uh, didn't it, not only did it look like a noir project, right? With the the fog and the mist and the lighting and all, you know, really strong use right. of light and, and uh, focused camera work and all that stuff uh, and the mood of it. But also the story was very noir. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The pacing was very noir, right? Yeah. Um, that movie showed that you didn't have to have – I mean there's virtually nothing in it that had to be special effects based. Right. And you totally bought the environment. Right. One establishing shot of, of, the ta- of, of Sebastian's – Tower. <laughs> right. One establishing shot of the spinner landing, you know, mm-hmm. of a better one, right? And then, you know, a couple of neon neon streets in the rain. Right, and right. That was interiors and deco buildings. I mean, it worked out. It just looked great. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the closest on film that, they, that other films have come to to that feel are other ones where they similarly don't try to show you – the giant wide sweeping shots of everything like uh city of lost children dark city all of these were movies with the word city in them yes <laughs> they're all things that they used 
the establishing shots and the, the sweeping futuristic vistas sparingly so that they stayed fantastic when you saw them. This is no uh, no accident, but Alien. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, Ridley Scott, but look at that. Same, I know that a lot of that movie came out of the de- the the collapse of the Dune project, but the way it was structured was very similar. I mean, it was a horror film. It was this, you know, it was a different type of movie, but in a very similar way. Right. They, they built a uh, used and world like sort of a worn down environment for the tech. Right. Was lighting very strongly. Mm-hmm. They made it about the characters, and it was a you know people acting in a house. Right, right. Type of setting, yeah. On a spaceship with a with a monster on it, right? Right. But 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 essentially, it was the same format. It was all about the the people and the way you presented or uh, you resisted presenting information. Right. You guys were talking on your on your recent podcast about how your pals hate um, Cloverfield, and right. what I loved about Cloverfield was that for the majority of the film, you're only seeing snippets of the beast. Yes. And part of that was. Uh, for me, again, as an architect dealing with tall buildings in urban environments, I'm very sensitive to the fact that at streetscape, you can't see anything. Absolutely. You to, yeah. You go to cities like New York and you are wandering around downtown or midtown and you can't see anything because the buildings block out. You know, you have no sense of scale. You don't see much sky. You don't right. see anything in between things, right? Right. It's disorienting and – Especially if you're like like me, where I'm from, this small town, where our tallest buildings like a seven story building kind of thing. Going to go crazy. to a large city like that, it it is legitimately disorienting and kind of disturbing and upsetting that you can't see landmarks. other things like that. Right. Physical, natural landmarks that give you a sense of where you are, at what time it is, and what's happening. And uh, you know, uh, when I worked in Chicago, I was staying. In what was at the time the was it the, the the Midland Hotel or Midway Hotel, um, which was a project we were we were changing. We were going to renovate that building, but so I was staying at the top of the building in the um, model units for what the hotel would eventually be, which was a W hotel. And I had my alarm set because even though I normally woke up at that time when I had to get up and get on my work. Um, I had to have my alarm set because the natural light wouldn't come in because the buildings that were bracketing my room are blocking mm-hmm. the sunrise. So even though – Wow. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. even though it's middle of the summer and I should have had light at 6 a.m., um, my actual unit was staying dark well after the rest of the city. Right, right. That it was gives a, you that, that weird, thing. totally disorienting feel. So Blade Runner 2, excited about the opportunity there. Yeah, Maybe. theoretically excited. Yeah, optimistic about it. I would be a, I would be more optimistic about it if I found out that the story was completely unrelated to the original. It just took place in the universe right. and like had Deckard in it, kind of thing, but not actually connected to it. But I, I can't help but think they're going to have to focus on uh, his lifespan and how he exists because. Let's put it this way. He will be old, right? Right. So there's nothing about the replicants, the Nexus 6, as designed as they were to be um, indistinguishable from humans. Yeah. is the test and everything. And there's nothing to suggest that they age, that there's tissue. That right. Ages. There's very, something very interesting there. The Most of the theatrical releases of Blade Runner, they edited – it was edited and narrated in such a way that it's never definitive that Deckard is a replicant. 
Right. But the it, they've left it very up in the air. Right. But the director's cut and the script is that he is, that he's definitely a replicant. So if right. that's the case, here we have Deckard as a much older man. So that's going to – I mean to me that's the that's the money question, right? Yeah, I, he, I'm really curious about that. So I feel like that's going to be what it's focusing on. Maybe Gosling's character is researching him or talking to him or whatever. Maybe it's about well, how is he aging? Right. What what is the nature of his generation? Or have there been other generations after him which are a different type of technology and yet they're compelled by – like he's the one that worked – Right. Uh, in a unique way, and they never were able to go back and fight, figure that out. Like maybe all the next generations of, of Nexus models um, don't have unlimited lifespans that actually age. You know? Mm, yeah. Like maybe there's something unique to his model. I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's such a – I once they said they were bringing him in, it completely changed what I was picturing in my head of what this movie is going to be because it it opens up an entire range of possibilities whether he's – maybe he wasn't actually a replicant after all and it was all just hints to fuck with him or – Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I appreciate the fact that they left it vague um, and my favorite cut of that movie and I've owned many – cuts of that movie <laughs> i've had vhs tapes blow out you know i had spent way too much money on weird you know um sketchily acquired versions but my favorite um cuts of the movie have no uh hard-boiled narrator right right just right without that narration and also the and and, and I, my cut the cut i like is the one where they didn't add the optimistic shots of the forest Right, shooting. yeah, that that got away from the zooming city. off in the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, one, the ones I like is it's here's the you know here's the unicorn origami. Right, so, but who does you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, and, and see. So I don't know. So anyway, what else? What did else you ever happened? read the novels, the the sequels that they did? I didn't read the sequels, only the original. Hmm. And uh, and my hope, my desperate hope is in this new one, they introduce some of these other concepts. I know they're not going to have the sheep on the hill or whatever, but I right. hope that they have more of the animatronic uh, animals and more of the concept of well, anyway. Yeah, yeah. The they did a couple of sequels. Uh, K. W. Jeter wrote them, and they they in those sequels they established very definitively that he was a replicant. Right. But I can't remember if they addressed aging or anything like that. I should reread those just out of curiosity because it was my understanding that Scott had something to do with the plotting on them. Right. So it may be a little bit of a insight into it. So something that just came out the day or so ago was that DC – this is a segue that isn't a segue. <laughs> DC announced that they were producing a series of books based on the Hanna-Barbera properties from the from the 70s or 80s or whatever Yeah, I just saw that today. Uh, it's a mixed bag. It really, really is. So you know I like Jake Parker. I yes. love his, his robots. Yes. I love his sketchbooks. Um, I think he's incredibly talented, and he is involved in the uh, what's it called? I can't remember. Johnny Quest. Yes, uh, yeah, it's uh, Phantom Force. Is that what they're calling it? I can't remember yeah, now. Something like that. Yeah. So that has a really good look to it. It and does. Some of the cover art, I, I think maybe that one and one other. They have a. I think uh, it has to be that Chris Samney did the art because it looks. I mean, just the cover, right? Because it has that vibe to it, and I hope that the interiors. <laughs> follow in that in that style because that's what i want from it is the style of art that those guys 
oh, have yeah. done so well. That, yeah. That sort of uh, – Future Quest is what it's called. Future Quest. But you know I'm down with Space Ghost, right? I mean – Yeah. I hope that's good. But the one that just threw me was Scooby-Doo. The Scooby-Doo one looks atrociously bad. So <laughs> – so my kids watch Scooby-Doo, right? Right. They don't watch the original. They watch this animated version that's come out more recently. It's on Netflix or whatever. And it's – it's they're more uh, uh, jagged in, in the animation style. is more straight edges. Yeah, it's, it's odd animation definitely. But, but it but definitely is a, a nod to the original. Like they, the character models look very similar to the original. The voice acting is very similar. Right. It's definitely got a little bit older skew and much more urgent, and they stylized the, the, the antagonist of the episode, so it definitely looks like some crazy demon. And then, they up, and then they'll, they'll you know, pull the mask off, and it's a guy. But, but you know what I mean? It doesn't look like someone in a costume. Right. They really play with the, with the presentation to be completely fantastical, and then all of a sudden it's not. So they're playing fast and loose with, with the, the format of the show. Right. But it's very consistent with how the originals looked. And uh, I, as an adult, really enjoy it while they're watching it. I'll mm-hmm. sit there and watch it, too. You know, not just because <laughs> of Elma, Elma, but, you know, I, I enjoy it. So then I think to myself, well, this was a pretty uh, bulletproof property. Right. Along with Scrappy-Doo and all that stuff. But <laughs> if you get back to the core of it, you can't go wrong. Right. You could just do this in perpetuity. Right. Right. It doesn't need fixing. And then here comes Jim Lee and that drawing. Wasn't it Jim Lee, right? It is Jim Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointingly. (laughs) And I look at this and it's what I wrote for our site too. It's like he said, I'm going to try to put a dent in the rule 34 aspect of Velma, right? (laughs) No more glasses wearing. Oh my God. uh, hot nerds or whatever. I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to completely change Velma. And so then he makes her into some weird little girl. Yeah. What the hell is Velma in this? It's like, it's like they took like a gray alien and slapped a redhead wig on her. And it just, it's weird as hell to me. Now that would be a story. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you put one of those X-Files aliens in there with a, with a wig. Like, right. Uh, like those ones from uh, X-Men. What are they like? Um, you know the kids, the the uh, uh, Artie and Leech. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Sometimes see them wearing like baseball <laughs> uniform or something. You're like, That's not right. <laughs> well, anyway, so I'm not optimistic about that one, but the rest no. of them cool. Yeah, the rest of them look pretty good. Amanda Connor doing the Flintstones. It's not the the style yes. and the story isn't anything to my interest, but it's a pretty solid choice. Um, Wacky Raceland. I'm not sure about that one. I mean, I've, no, I've never wanted to read a comic based around racing. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I'll, I'll read the hell out of Future Quest with Johnny Quest and Space Ghost and Jake Parker and and the, the Herculoids. That sounds pretty badass. <laughs> I drew a number of these properties um, in the aughts uh, through our various uh, art jams that we oh, had yeah. on our site and and, and private commissions, and I have to say, it's always been a challenge. Do I want to redesign them in a modern style, or do I want to draw them more, uh, more like their traditional look? So it's really fun for me to see them do this. Right, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I I am about that particular comic in particular. Yeah, <laughs> that one, that particular one in particular. Yes, particular particulars. <laughs> here's here's another thing. Uh, Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue. One. I still haven't seen anything about that. What? 
Yeah. I've been trying not to, to be honest, beyond that one photo that they've released. Yeah. Well, so that one image looked great. Yeah. And they've talked about how it's going to be the, you know, trying to get the plans, right? The plans. And uh, so prequel to New Hope. And I've read a lot of stuff suggesting that maybe it's the the designer of the Death Star who's had remorse about how his sort of a Oppenheimer kind of thing. And he's, a, a you know, he, he's now working with the with the rebels because he wants to undo the horrible thing that he's helped create. And I okay. don't know. That's true. Hmm. Here's what I thought was neat. Uh, today... Someone uh, had, on their Twitter feed started posting photos of costumes at some sort of an event where they're on display. It looks oh, like really? it's legit. Looks legit. Not sure. Looks legit. But anyway, there's three or four or five that are very consistent with the photo. Interesting. And then there's one. Uh, I haven't posted it, Russ. I tell you, just go to our, our sweet site. What's that site? Robot- Robot-kraken.com. <laughs> um, it'll be on there tomorrow. By the time you listen to this, it will be on there. Okay. Seven listeners. Anyway, there's one that was an unreleased image, like an unreleased costume. It's a character you don't see in that other stuff. And it's, okay. like, it's like a gunner, you know, and it's, it's really neat. When you see the costume, you'll understand why I was intrigued by it because it's got all my colors in it. <laughs> it's it's like, oh, this was designed with Tom in mind. <laughs> yeah. so, anyway, that's what I was excited about. Right on. Unexplained, unexplained aesthetically pleasing costuming. Nice. So... I'm uh, I'm yeah. kind of excited about that movie, honestly. It doesn't have that the weight of the 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 Holy Trinity on it, yeah. and they're the they're gonna be they're gonna be allowed to have a little more fun with it, which I think is really cool. We'll have yep. to see. Well, I think that's most of what we have news wise going on here, aside from. I mean, I think that's it, right? Blade that's Runner, lots of DC babbling. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe let's, let's call it good for this episode of robot kraken uh we'll pick back up where we left off here with a review or two and some more talking on episode four uh in the meantime let's tell everyone how they can get a hold of us tom how can they get a hold of us chris well Obviously, they can go to robot-kraken.com where they can... Did you say robot-kraken.com? I did. You know if they type robot-kraken.com, they're going to get some sort of untoward site. But robot-kraken.com. Robot-kraken.com. That's the place to be. Yes. So you can get the links to the podcasts uh, on iTunes there. You can see all of our daily news bits and reviews bits. Yes. At some point, possibly some merch. Uh, really, pretty much, it's the only site you ever need to to go to and see, right? Right, absolutely. Is. Except for any of our other sites. <laughs> and but what are can, those other sites, Tom? Well, you can. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Um, if uh, if any of our seven listeners want to talk to us, you can email us at salty at robot dash. Dash. Uh, you do that every time. <laughs> I do that every time. I'll with that. The hyphen. Okay, so salty at robot-kraken.com. Yes. We'll both see that. And then also you can you can reach us individually. Um, I'm Tom with an H at thirdraildesignlab.com. Uh, and I have a website that you can go check out. And we have an art jam that people participate in and draw things. And other people look at them and they like them. And, uh, and I have all my stuff on there. And what about you? 
Well, you can get me on deeplydapper.com. That's that will take you directly to my shop where you can see all my sweet geeky stuff we sell. You have uh, sweet geeky stuff. Yes, we've got soap and art and decor. Uh, or you can go to deeplydapper.squarespace.com, and that will take you to links for Robot Kraken, my other podcast, Deeply Dapper Dispatches. Um, there will be some other fun stuff on there at some point here. You We're can also, also yeah. What's up? Ahead. Well, I was going to say, you can also find us on Instagram and on yes. Twitter and on Facebook, but I don't, you know, just search. You find us. Yeah, yeah. Look for And also any of those other sites will have the links for the other. Yeah. Now, I think the easiest way to find Tom is probably to go to the website and look for the links, or you can actually look up Third Rail Design Lab. There's not a lot of them out there. No, there is not. And Deeply Dapper, for me, are really the easiest way because neither of our names are super easy to spell. They're not. They're great to say. Right? In my professional life, I have to explain my first name, my last name, and my email address a million times to every person I talk to. So exactly. I can't even imagine what our seven listeners must be. Oh, typing it out like, no, there's an H word. It's Chris with a K and it's Tom with an H. <laughs> anyway, so that's tonight, and uh, or at least for this segment. Yes. Um, to be quite honest, we're just going to roll right into the next one, but um, that'll do it, huh? Yeah, that'll do it. On to episode four. On to episode four. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>